0: The Axe of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Briefly in between international trips, I just got back from Japan and i'm heading to scotland next week but before that i'm gonna record a podcast with everybody's favorite bob Mackey. hey
1: everybody i'll soon be in the uh, exotic location of youngstown ohio the worst place on earth <laughs> <laughs> or at least the worst place in america i think chernobyl might be worse
0: you keep going back there on purpose bob i, just... I,
1: I rarely go back there and I, I, I mean my family lives there so i'm obligated to see them occasionally but uh if, if you're in town and you probably won't be you can find me there one of three people walking around downtown <laughs>
0: The greatest thing I saw was you doing, like, the photographic comparisons between Fallout 4 and uh, Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Pretty it's pretty illuminating.
1: Uh, it's uncanny how similar. I, I bet Bethesda went to Youngstown to study it. Like, how does a real a civilization fall apart? <laughs> Let's go to Youngstown.
0: Hey, Ohio like, having a really good uh, month. I mean, they're the city of champions now. Or, like, Cleveland is, anyway.
1: Cleveland is. I, I bet some of that residual success uh, vibes are, are hitting Youngstown. you kind so. of soaking
0: it up wow, like this is the most relevant that Ohio's been since the last presidential election or something.
1: Yeah, every, every four years, people have to pretend <laughs> to care about it. Uh, if you're in Ohio, I, I still love you, but I, I bet no one listening is from Youngstown, and if you are, you realize why I'm making fun of it, so I think we're all good.
0: Anyway, uh, no Nadia Oxford this week. Um, she'll be back next week, I presume, um, because, well, Bob will be handling the podcast, so I'll let him decide what the topic will be next week. But... um so this week we're going to be talking about Pokemon Go, and we're going to be talking about Monster Hunter Generations. Um, I was just in Japan. Uh, Bob, did you know that there's a Dissidia arcade game?
1: Well, you know what? There's like a There's like a Left for Dead arcade game in Japan, so nothing is off off limits for them.
0: Did you ever play Dissidia? Uh,
1: I wasn't really interested in, on a, in a fighting game on the PSP, so I never played it. I liked I liked how much it was about fan service, though. Yeah, right.
0: I mean, it had. RPG-ish type elements. It had leveling up and stuff.
1: Uh, and an overworld. I guess that counts. I guess that does count. But there's there's an arcade game?
0: Yeah, there is totally an arcade game. Huh. Um, and does it look it's, better it's, than a PSP game? Yes, it does look considerably better than a PSP game. Wow. Um, it's And it plays pretty similarly to the PSP game as well. Um, slightly bigger arenas than before. And it's not one-on-one. It's like three-on-three. Which I think the team-based format actually works pretty well for it. Um, But it's always been a little weird because, like, in most fighting games, right? You run up to somebody and you hack and slash until their life bar runs out and they fall over. Um, In Dissidia, it's always been, like, you do a certain amount of damage until they break, and then you can do a lot of damage and presumably maybe take them out and you do a bunch of special moves and everything. Uh, it's not the most intuitive thing in the world, which is weird for a game that's kind of supposed to be a casual fan y game. But it, it's, like I said, it's very similar to the PSP game. Uh, supposedly it's getting ported to home consoles, so I wouldn't be shocked if it eventually came out here.
1: Really? Yeah. It's getting ported to home consoles. Mm-hmm. Wow, I had no idea.
0: Uh, that that's the word on the streets. So, uh, but nobody seemed to be playing it in Japan. Everybody was playing <laughs> the arcade game where a, a bunch of girls are battleships.
1: Oh yeah. Oh wait. Uh, are they World War II battleships or? Yes. Uh, okay, I thought Kuntai so. Kantai
0: Collection is what it's called. Oh, boy. Yeah. Everybody's playing these CCG arcade games where you like plug in X amount of money and it gives you a deck of cards, physical DLC as they call it.
1: I've seen those in, uh, in arcades not in Japan but in California and they look like the most intimidating thing in the universe. like do you have to you have to bring your own physical supplies to the arcade machine to play it? Uh, well like they
0: have machines to dispense the cards. okay so you can get like you can get a, a pack of cards and then like you scan them in and you have a card that will save your progress and you can save it onto your mobile phone and stuff. It's actually pretty cool, but it's kind of also a way to get them to nickel and dime you and also get you get them to get you to keep coming back. So it's uh, it's a little bit of a rip off. But mm. yeah, it's kind of how arcades are staying alive over there. So I, I guess I can't complain too much because it could be like here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> completely it's, it's, non-existent. There's no option here.
0: As for what's going on right here, uh, Pokemon Go which I was trying to play over in Japan, and did not work. It was just empty grids uh, for as far as the eye could see. But I finally got back on Tuesday and got to see what all the fuss was about for myself. And yeah, I got to say the the craze is pretty legit. Like everybody seems to be playing this game, Pokemon Go. Yes, discovering what I knew, but me <laughs> discovering what I knew twenty years ago. That Pokemon is good.
1: Yeah. But yes, uh, it, you're not into it, it, though. Not really. I mean, I don't want to be a hater uh, because this is not a product made for Bob Mackie. Um, Too I was late, telling Bob. You, you're already you... a
0: hater. What's that? You're already a hater.
1: Uh, I'm trying not to be. But, I mean, it's, it's not made for me. Like, I don't have a car. Uh, Because I live in the Bay Area, I don't need a car and I walk between three to four miles every day just to get exercise. And um, there are times in my life where I'm like, hey, I don't want to be playing a video game right now. I just want to, you know, listen to a podcast, take in the nice scenery. Just chill out, and um, like my walks are my time away from games, uh, and I like to have a little reading time too. So this does not fit into my life the way it's fitting into other people's life, and I think it's great that um, I used to live in the Midwest where you only got out of your car to walk to a store from the parking lot, and that's that's the only time you'd ever be walking. So the fact that people are getting exercise in these places that are uh, very car friendly is great, but it's not for me. Uh, so that's that's the kindest thing I can say about it. But I, I like the fact that Pokemon is relevant. And I especially like the fact that Nintendo is now relevant again. I feel like they have the highest highs and the lowest lows. We go from Wii U, one of the most disappointing consoles in terms of sales, to one of the best, highest played games of all time that everyone is talking about. You can't you can't leave your home without seeing someone talking about Pokemon Go, playing it, uh, or like meeting in groups together. It's pretty astounding.
0: Yeah, I, I and I love the Wii U by the
1: way. Just in case anyone wants to complain, I really like the Wii U.
0: I can't think of a gaming craze that has been this like that has cut across this many demographics since maybe the original Pokemon and even then it's like like this is far bigger. It it feels like just because you've got people of every single age and every single type um from the most casual of gamers to your parents to hardcore fans, like everybody's playing this thing and granted it's only been a week but it and for all we know within a month like it will cool off like considerably and i wouldn't even be surprised if it cooled off a lot in the in the next month or so just because uh, the novelty will start to wear off a little bit and people will kind of get on with their lives and like the the casual fans will peel off i think what will really determine whether or not it manages to have any staying power is whether the kind of the battles prove to be compelling like that's like how a long-term community kind of like coalesces right now it's just a fad i think
1: yeah i i i do want to see how people react once the novelty has worn off because uh even when I wasn't playing it, I was being a little cranky, like, oh, wow, there's a Pokemon superimposed over something in real life that is still entertaining, but not really. I like, I, I think those pictures are starting to go away now, too. So I, I think it'll have longer legs than Matomo, but um, I, I can't really predict. Uh, I can't do the Michael Packer, Packer flip a coin and get a million dollars for my prediction. So I, I can't tell you how it's going to be in the next month or two, but... I think the Pokemon um, brand is strong, and there's a lot of nostalgia across multiple generations. And it's been funny to see people who are maybe a little too old uh, for the original Pokemon, or maybe a little too old for video games being played by adults, and I see a lot of people I follow on Twitter, like comedians and celebrities, are acting like an adult is playing a video game. What the hell is this? Like they're completely baffled by the fact that video games are also for adults. And um, I think it just shows that Pokemon has been around long enough that so many generations have played it by now.
0: Yeah, when I was in Japan, I actually took a stop at the Pokemon Center, and like I was just kind of marveling at the fact that Pokemon is freaking ubiquitous over there. People were like. Oh yeah, Yokai Watch is going to totally kill off Pokemon. It's over. It's over for the Pokemon's. Yokai Watch is here. And the general consensus now is that Yokai Watch 3 will sell a ton over there, but that it's just going to go it's just going to be your typical level 5 thing where it'll be really huge for a couple years and then go away. Where Pokemon has kind of hit that that critical mass where it it's kind of the perfect nostalgia engine at this point kind of like star wars in the respect that you've had multiple generations of kids grow up with it now and they're kind of into it like the way it works is you have your five-year-olds play the new games and it's brand new to them and they're like wow that's so cool and then you have people who like maybe played the games 10 years ago come back and go oh, wow, it's just like I remembered it. But like there's some new stuff, too, and this is really cool. And then you just keep doing that over and over and over again. Uh, I was going to say that over in Japan, it's kind of like become the ambassador for the country, sort of like <laughs> Studio Ghibli. Yeah, like, that's Pikachu's true.
1: everywhere. That's not my Pikachu cat. I- I'm a fan of OG fat Pikachu <laughs> before before all the plastic surgery.
0: Just, like, just for an example, like, I'm waiting for a train and I see a, a poster for a soccer team, like, one of the local soccer teams, and one of the promotions is that you can buy a Pikachu with that soccer team's jersey. Like, that's how ubiquitous, like, Pikachu is over there, right? That's
1: awesome, yeah. I, I mean, I have to say this makes me feel good about my life choices, even though I'm a little cranky about Pokemon Go, because, um... We, t- we talked about in the Retronauts episode about Pokemon, about my, my Pokemon shame, how the game came out when I was 16, and I wasn't given enough shit in high school for liking anime and video games and stuff, because being a nerd was not cool in the 90s, and I was just, I had the most shame about Pokemon, like, oh, I like this thing for kids and no one must know, but then I'm like at a bar yesterday, or the day before, and I'm just sitting there uh, typing out some emails or whatever, and then people are next to me playing Pokemon Go and talking about it, like adults having beer are playing a Pokemon game, and this is the future that I wanted. For sure.
0: I suppose that's the good thing about smartphone games is that mobile games are, quote unquote, socially acceptable, which makes gaming as a whole just a little more acceptable um, to the culture at large. It's it's not this foreign thing that's going to bite you. It's not this foreign thing that your loser 20-something boyfriend is playing (laughs) um, all the time.
1: But, I I mean, you're right. I still feel that shame when I take out my 3DS on... um public transit, like oh boy, like everyone's gonna be looking at me because I I literally see no one else holding a, a game system anymore but me.
0: Yeah, there is even in that. a major
1: city like uh San Francisco or Berkeley. Yeah.
0: I mean I never felt the shame over Pokemon that you did, mostly because You
1: had fellow Pokemon fans. I had I no did. one. There yes. were not even any nerds in my school cat. It was it was miserable.
0: I mean I was in band. Like that's where all yeah. the nerds went. Weren't you in band?
1: We didn't have a band program. <laughs>
0: that's the secret you got to join band that's true kill the music you kill the nerds all
1: the misfits show up there (laughs)
0: yeah pretty much uh one thing that kind of makes me like think the one thing that kind of jumped into my head was that this is sort of like game freak almost um sort of hedging their bets i suppose in the respect that i mean a lot of the narrative has been around dedicated handhelds kind of being on the decline and of course pokemon has made all of its say on dedicated handhelds over the years and uh, game freak in particular has been really adamant that they're not going to like they don't really want to put it on a console <clears throat> and maybe that will change if the nx ends up being that hybrid handheld portable uh console thing that people are talking about but it sure seems like this is like them sticking their toe into the water with uh, smartphones and going, all right, can this work? Can we make this happen? Um, and can we take this series in new and interesting directions? And this game was not developed by Game Freak. It was developed right. by Niantic, which um, previously worked on Inverness. I believe that was the name uh, of the game. I think it's
1: Ingress. Ingress.
0: Yeah. Inverness. Where, where did I hear that name? yeah ingress uh which was all of the ingress fans are super salty about the fact that pokemon go is like getting all the love and ingress and they're like oh i've been playing augmented mmos for a long time now so um i'm I i was doing that before it was cool but so they they've kind of grafted pokemon onto an existing idea but I think it ends up working really well in the context of the series, because the core of the series has always been trading, battling, um, meeting other people. Like It was one of the earliest examples of a truly social game. So, this is kind of the natural next step for the series. I just... One thing that I would kind of like to see out of Pokemon Go, if they make a sequel, for example, is a lot more focus on, like, Kind of battling and stuff. Like right now, you can't even challenge somebody to a one-on-one battle.
1: Yeah, that is that is like so much of the essential Pokemon ness is missing. It's really just the monster collecting that is um, the focus of of this version of Pokemon. Yeah,
0: you can can go to a gym, and the gym near my house is the scary abandoned theater that smells like urine, which (laughs) is just so San Francisco. Um, Any any
1: abandoned building becomes a public urinal in San Francisco after about a day.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, and this place has been abandoned since I got here. So uh, so the gym aspect where you can go and battle and everything is pretty cool. Um, so there is that. But I think there needs to be a lot more. And I guess there probably will be more. They'll like introduce more Pokemon. They'll like add on to the feature set and everything. But uh, if they don't want it to go away really fast, Fast, they're going to have to put in some work.
1: I agree. Uh, and, I, I try to be positive about this, but it's been very hard to be the one person or one of two people in a group that is not playing Pokemon Go because uh, inevitably every conversation will be about Pokemon Go. And if you're not playing it, you're not necessarily super interested. You know, you'll humor people for a while, but it'll, it'll be just like, can we talk about something else, please? So I'm trying to stay positive, but I think I need to find um, other people who aren't playing and, and have like a support group.
0: Well, it's like, like we can when... Get through this. Well, it's like when Game of Thrones or something is on, everybody is freaking talking about it. Yeah. And if you're not watching it, uh, if you have other things to do in your life, then watch the TV show that everybody is watching. Well, you're gonna have a, you're gonna be bored during a lot of
1: conversations. And but unfortunately- it's also as, as if they're watching it while they're hanging out with you and looking at a screen and not paying attention to you. <laughs> There's that element too. Just like, can we can we just walk? Can we just have a conversation? Can you put the phone away and not look for? Uh- I don't know Charmanders or whatever. I know all the Pokémon. I'm not trying to be rude, but uh yeah, like it is it is creating, creating a sort of a dis- disruption in my social space because I, I mean, admittedly it could be my fault cause, because I'm not playing it. Um but I I do want there to be like uh, some sort of middle ground between Pokémon Go players and people who aren't playing it. Like let's all get along. Wonder, let's make time for each other.
0: I wonder if this will spur interest in the new game.
1: Yeah, and I also, actually I wonder if this will make people uh, less excited about a new game because Pokemon is so conservative. It's it's trying to do something completely different, of course, but maybe after getting a taste of Go, people will just not be as interested in um, you know traditional Pokemon. I, I can't make that prediction for sure, but I've never seen more people talk about Pokemon since its initial like huge faddish first run. Um, and it's possibly at even in a more intense levels, people are talking about it now than they ever have before.
0: My, my feeling is that it will actually spur interest in the new game because Mm. I think a lot of people probably haven't thought about Pokemon in years and they're like, maybe since they were kids or something and they go, man, that Pokemon go was so much fun wow, I haven't played Pokemon in so long. Maybe I should pick... Oh, wait, there's a new game coming out this fall. Uh, maybe I'll pick it up. Or how do, you,
1: how do you feel about the fact that they're really sticking to the original Pokemon?
0: Um, as for them sticking with the originals, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because they're going for the broadest possible audience. And to this day, everybody knows the original 150. And so it... I'd be surprised if they were bringing in like, God, like I'm trying to think of a Pokemon like the 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 snow cone the the snow cones from yeah. the fifth generation or something.
1: Yeah, I think I mean arguably I think. Eject flash. Oh jeez, I mean there are so many weird uh, new Pokemon that I'm not comfortable with, but uh, I think arguably the the first gen did have the best design just because. Um, they were just starting new with a new idea, and there was no like, oh, this is too similar to something else. And it was also Ken Sugimori who was like mm. sort of the definitive Pokemon artist who kind of stopped doing that after uh, Gold and Silver.
0: Yeah, he was kind of the definitive artist, and the the art, the designs. Yeah, I mean, when you have like a hundred new designs every generation, you're going to have some misses. I mean, heck, the original game had its share of misses. I mean, Mr. Mime is. Oh yeah certainly (laughs) memorable but mostly memorable for being for how bad it was and then you go through the years love disc um one of the (laughs) dumbest things i've ever seen um gen 4 had its share of awful designs i mean but then you also have classics in every generation that end up sticking with people i'm not sure how i feel about sun and moons like like have you seen this um the newest Pokemon that got announced is like a ghost type that's wearing yeah, a
1: Pikachu sheet. I actually love that. <laughs> I actually, I'm a huge fan of that idea. Oh, it's so conceptually uh, dark mm. and uh, fun that I, I like I like the idea of the ghost that wants to make friends so it disguises itself as the most popular Pokemon.
0: Yeah, it's kind of sad, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a tragic existence.
0: So maybe there's a little bit of self-awareness on the part of the Pokemon <laughs> developers that's with true. this character. yeah. Uh,
1: I mean I mean it wasn't that, isn't that what Pichu essentially was like if you thought Pikachu was cute get a load of this
0: so yeah with that I think Sun and Moon might actually end up being one of the biggest Pokemon games in quite a while just because I like the 3DS is now at a point where you can get one at a reasonably low price and Pokemon Go I think is actually going to spur interest and mm. with that like it's going to be the year of Pokemon you know like people are going to be i mean it has been kind of the year of pokemon it's the 20th anniversary of pokemon pokemon's original release in uh japan so they've uh it's been it's been quite a thing like it's it's back i mean to to an extent it never left but it's like the hype engine is back to kind of where it was before
1: and yeah it's
0: pretty remarkable thing after twenty years.
1: Rightfully enough, people call Nintendo backwards, and they are—they are still backwards in a lot of ways. But it's amazing how quickly they can bounce back with something like this, and prove they're relevant again, and um, make us kind of forget about their their last few miserable years with the Wii U. So, I, I feel good for Nintendo right now, and I think um, this will give them more confidence going into the NX and whatever they do next.
0: Look, I don't want to get into like a whole like slobbering all over nintendo podcast or whatever (laughs) because god knows we do that enough on the site but i think nintendo's kind of secret has always been that they don't necessarily chase trends they have their own identity they're not of the moment they're really good at creating timeless stuff that appeals to people long after they've grown up and in that respect that's why we care we like care about nintendo properties and collect nintendo systems in a way that we don't just don't necessarily with other publishers um i'm not going to name names um Mm -hmm. and pokemon is maybe like one of the peak examples of that it's just this timeless look and like these creatures that everybody has their favorites and so and that will continue to be nintendo's kind of mo long after they've moved into the mobile space um I just hope they don't cheap out and just throw out faddish mobile games because that stuff's going to get old really fast.
1: Yeah, I think they've been incredibly conservative uh, with their approach, and it's it's paid off. I mean, for as much as Mitoma was a glorified market research survey, <laughs> it was still something that got people interested, and it was still like one of the few one of the few rare mobile things they've ever done. And they didn't follow it up immediately. They didn't like branch off immediately. They let the idea of them being in the mobile space sink in for a while. So. They're uh, they're taking it slow.
0: Yeah, Miitomo was definitely a game I didn't buy. I was just not that interested in it. Um, but I did get Pokemon Go. And while I'm not as crazy into it as some other people that I know, like Mike, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've been into it. I've been enjoying it. But one game that you have been enjoying, Bob, um, and I'm sorry to put you through like 20 minutes of Pokemon Go chatter, uh, given fine. Like, how I, much
1: bored you are with that game. Help me articulate uh, my feelings about it. Oh, no problem.
0: This is what we, That's what we do on this it's podcast.
1: therapy.
0: So let's talk about Monster Hunter Generations, All right. which is the new Monster Hunter that just came out on the Nintendo 3DS. really kind of flew under the radar in light of the Pokemon Go mania, but you reviewed it. It's on the site. And as usual, you seemed really into it, Bob.
1: Yes. Uh, in fact, I wrote about this in my review. You should read it on usgamer.net. I gave it a 4.5 out of 5 spoilers. I did really like this game. And uh, people, uh, they ask me, because I know I know a good deal about Monster Hunter. I'm no expert. But people ask me, like, oh, which game should I start with? Well, um, from my perspective... Monster Hunter is kind of like a sports game in that the new release usually makes everything that came before it irrelevant. Like, if you're playing the new Madden or whatever, uh, you're not going to go back to the previous years, most likely, because why would you? Like, that right. not, less people are playing it, it doesn't have all the changes, the new rosters, etc. And that's exactly what Monster Hunter is. It, it figured out its core idea... T- Twelve years ago, I believe, at this point, and it's since then. It's been refining it and making it better with each installment through these tiny little modifications. Big changes are rare, but they still happen. But for the most part, it's kind of building off this kind of antiquated formula that still works really well. And Generations is the best interpretation of Monster Hunter to date, just because that is the that is the um, just the way the series flows. Like everyone will naturally be better because that's what they're designed to do.
0: Well that's interesting because in the sports game space you can point to certain years and go, Man, that year was really crap. Like Right. Uh, so but that's not the case with Monster Hunter. Like they've got the formula
1: down to a science. That's true. I mean Monster Hunter makes some strange choices sometimes, like um people were not a fan of the underwater battles, which were were fine. They weren't the worst things in the world, but they, they got rid of them because people were like, These are too slow, these are tedious, um that and we was don't the like Wii them. Version, right? That was on three ultimate, uh, and I believe it was Monster Hunter Try, which was the yeah the Wii one. So um, yeah, yeah that... I
0: didn't care for those underwater battles.
1: Yeah, they were. Li- I mean, I liked I liked them in theory, but they were kind of a drag to play out. But they got rid of them and. And they've only been making the game more approachable, uh, less tedious, less, um, like gathering is easier. So many things are easier, but that level of challenge and density is still there. And if you're approaching this as a newcomer, you're still going to be baffled. You're still going to be confused. They did not make it that much easier for new people to get into it. Um, and that's why I always say, like, find someone who's played it. Uh, look at guides. I wrote one for US Gamer to get you started. Um, and don't be afraid to experiment because you're rarely punished for experimenting in Monster Hunter
0: the previous monster hunter um was it me or did it feel like it finally kind of got its kind of got a foothold in the us
1: i really think with the uh, i think 3u was really the first time it did uh maybe 4 built off that a little but 3u felt like the first time people were actually talking about it it wasn't this just like oh this weird thing from japan came out here again uh, and I think since then they've been building off of that momentum, and it's, it's it will never be like it like it is in Japan, but I feel like it has a healthy enough um, user base in America where I can foresee every game coming out here, or at least the improved versions of every game, which is what they've been doing outside of this this latest one, which just came out once in Japan instead of having a second version. So,
0: talk about some of the like the big improvements of Monster Hunter Generations. Um, like what stands out to you?
1: Well, the biggest improvements by far, and there aren't a lot of big improvements in this version, but there are these, um, you can now choose one of four fighting styles that you can change at any point in the game, and they just allow you to to slightly tailor the way you fight. Uh, One of them is just standard Monster Hunter. Another one of them uh, allows you to use an extra fighting art, which are these new abilities that... Basically, you can um, use whenever you charge a meter in battle. They're pretty basic, pretty straightforward. Some are passive, some are active. Uh, One fighting style allows you to jump at any time, which you could never do in Monster Hunter. And it allows you to mount monsters much more easily and another fighting style allows you to uh perform counterattacks and that's only for expert players who have like mastered all like who can like read animations and hitboxes and all that stuff so there's a way to play for everybody and frankly i just kind of stuck with the regular mode because i'm much more comfortable with how i've always been playing monster hunter but for the most part that is the biggest change to uh generations is that uh fighting style system
0: what's your favorite class i'm i'm kind of wondering
1: Um, I, I usually stick with, uh, the long sword, which is the katana. And it's interesting you, you called it a class because I do view, um, the weapons as basically like a class in an RPG or maybe like a fighting game character as, uh, as Brett Elston, a former Capcom guy used to compare it to where when you pick a weapon, it's not just like, oh, this thing looks cool. It's like every weapon type has its own animations, has its own combos, has its own special moves, has its own quirks. And getting getting to understand those quirks and everything that goes into it can take like a dozen hours. So when you figure out a weapon you want to use, you have to spend a lot of time with it to figure out like, oh, this is the one I want to use for this monster. And sometimes the weapon that you like is not the best one to use for a particular hunt. So it helps to learn a few weapons when you're going into the game just to have some options in front of you. Um, you know, many options.
0: Yeah. I, when I play Monster Hunter, there's always the weapons that I want to use. Like, it's like, oh, man, well, that's really big and cool and also really slow. So yeah. this is not exactly, like, really good for a beginner. Oh, well, I can always play as a ranged character. I have no idea what's going on oh, with this bow and arrow.
1: <laughs> I still don't really get ranged weapons. And I, and I and I wrote a guide on all the weapons for 4U, and I had to use ranged weapons. I was like, these are still too much for me to handle on my own. Like, um, yeah, I mean, there's like there are some weapons that are clearly made for people that are very good at Monster Hunter. it's sort of like Overwatch, where there are certain characters where it's like, you have to be good at Overwatch to use this character effectively. So, it is sort of like... Uh, the weapons in this game are really just characters of their own. And, and they're all ridiculous and great, and uh, I'm looking forward to unlocking some of the crazier ones as I play more of the game.
0: Yeah, the RPG elements are kind of bound up in those weapons, am I right?
1: Yeah, I mean, your character does not gain levels. Uh, you are really leveling up and building new weapons and armor to take on harder challenges, so... Uh and, and in essence, like your weapons and your armor, they're sort of like your party members in a way.
0: Yeah, they kind of are. Um, yeah, with Monster Hunter, obviously, Monster Hunter has been uh, quite a thing in Japan for quite a number of years. I, winced it, I witnessed its rise like firsthand, and it, it's a fantastic co-op experience. I think if you oh, have some yes. friends who are yes. like willing to grind through it and everything, it, it's there. It's like the quintessential game that is just meant to kind of kill time, I feel like, but
1: without being too shallow. I agree. And no matter how you kill that time, you're always getting something out of it. Like you get so much stuff just from killing a monster that you'll eventually use or sell or whatever that like, even if you're just messing around with friends, you're going to get something out of that experience no matter what you do. And that's why I like the game. Like every second of the game, you're potentially being rewarded for doing something in it. And that's great.
0: Yeah, Monster like, the, maybe the secret thing, or not-so-secret thing, that ultimately killed the Vita, like, even before it even got out of the gate, was that <laughs> Nintendo stole Monster Hunter out from under it.
1: Yeah, I wonder how that happened. I feel like, uh, god, I, I feel like, uh, the I 3DS think... was not a success out of the gate, so I was just curious as to, like, how did they get Monster Hunter just so quickly?
0: I... I mean, this is pure speculation, but it could be a combination of Sony wasn't aggressive enough in keeping Capcom in the fold, um, or it could just be that Capcom was looking at the way the winds were blowing in Japan and went, mm, yeah, we're going to put this on the most popular system. Or it was the fact that the 3DS came out first.
1: Yeah. And I do think the P- uh, the Vita had a lot of hubris. Uh, Sony had a lot of hubris going into the Vita even though their game plan was never clear. And I say this as someone who, like, entered the industry full-time just as the Vita was launching or just as the Vita was being announced. And I saw that in action. I was just like, well, what what do you want this thing to do? And how is this different than an iPhone? Like, how will this fit into a post-iPhone world? And I don't think uh, Sony ever figured that out, really.
0: I think the difference was that... So Monster Hunter started on the PlayStation 2. Right. And so it was bizarre. natural. <laughs> it was natural for it to go to the PSP. Yeah. And because especially at the time, the DS simply couldn't handle it, right? Oh, there's no way, But yeah. the DS, I think that it would have gone to the DS if the DS had um, been more powerful. But at the time, of course, it really couldn't handle something like Monster Hunter. Like, the PSP could barely handle Monster Hunter. Uh, like, the load times were excruciating in those yeah, games.
1: Yeah, you basically had to uh, to damage your, your, your wrist and, and fingers irreparably to play it on a PSP yeah pretty like, much the controls were never suited for a psp
0: no um and for whatever reason like they wanted to keep it on console like or like on handheld exclusively pretty much like they dabbled in the ps3 like and they had like an mmo i suppose kind of monster hunter online was there i think it was and yeah i think
1: there was a chi- it was like for china only they had a online one which looked, I mean, the graphics looked amazing as someone who's used to seeing those monsters, um, you know, on a tiny 3DS screen. And I, I entered the series by playing the Wii U version of 3 Ultimate, mm-hmm. which um, people might consider weird. And it essentially was just an upscaled 3DS game on a giant TV, which didn't look great. But I, I kind of enjoyed having a bigger screen, more space on the screen to just breathe and move. And I've kind of been a little sad that Capcom has not made a Wii U version of uh, anything since 3U. Yeah,
0: it's too bad. Um, Yeah, they were more active on the original Wii when they had Tatsunoko versus Capcom and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, not so much anymore. Um, And I've always thought, I know this is like an old discussion, but I've always been a little disappointed that Monster Hunter never made it to say, like properly made it to the PlayStation 4 or the PlayStation 3. Just because I I think that, uh, for me at least, that's the kind of game that I could see me kicking my legs up Um, Putting on like a headset and playing with some friends um, on like the PS4 or whatever, but I know that obviously they're not going to do that because they're focusing on their domestic audience first, and their domestic audience wants to play it on handheld. Um, Multiplayer on handheld has been the thing for like ten years over there, so.
1: Yeah, and hopefully, uh, if we're all if we're all predicting this correctly, the NX will be a handheld TV hybrid. Uh, of course, this could all be false, but that would be great if I could be like, I will play Monster Hunter on my TV and then take it with me, because that's exactly what I did with 3U. I would play it on my CV, and then when I would leave the house, I would transfer the data to my 3DS and play it on the 3DS. It was a good It was a good setup for me. I, I had to buy two games for it to happen, but uh, I was fine with that. Yeah, man. That this makes time I won't an, have to.
0: That makes... Uh, man, if they could actually pull it off, that would make it an even bigger no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, being able to knock uh like be able being able to hit both monster hunter and pokemon in a really meaningful way that would apply that would make them be essentially console games without sacrificing all the advantages of portable i mean that would be really awesome so yeah no i would definitely love to experience monster hunter in that way but as for monster hunter itself um it's definitely easier than ever to get into the series. Um, they've had online on the 3DS for quite a while, if I'm not mistaken.
1: The weird thing is, uh, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, 3U on the on the uh, 3DS did not have Wi-Fi online uh, online play. 4U did. Uh, 3U for the Wii U did have online play. So 3U for the 3DS was a weird anomaly where it's like, you should have just put online play into this. Um I'm almost positive I'm remembering this correctly, so you can yell at me if I'm not. But being online, being able to play online, was a huge deal for the series to be uh, popular in the States because, of course, we are not living in the dense area uh, that a lot of Japanese players are living in. It's a lot harder to find Monster Hunter players. So the fact that you can go on and play with random people and it's usually enjoyable is a huge thing for the series, and that's really I think that's really what has made it pick up uh, in America. It's
0: not just the density. It's the fact that I suppose... uh, it's not as much the case right now, but handhelds like the DS and the PSP achieved a kind of ubiquity in Japan where even like housewives were playing them on like on the train. And so everybody had these machines and you would get peer pressured into playing Monster Hunter at work, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody would go out for some beers and they would be like, oh, yeah, let's play some Monster Hunter. What? You don't have Monster Hunter? you're an outcast now get out of here <laughs> that's,
1: that's that's what pokemon go is like now
0: <laughs> it is kind of yeah uh, so i'm sorry bob i'm sorry don't worry yeah. it's probably gonna last only another week the Jeez. the internet has the memory of a goldfish
1: it's true uh, i really so- recommend um generations though i feel like uh there were so much things that were frankly bs in the past games that they've really taken care of they've really been thoughtful Excuse me, they've really been thoughtful about what how can we stop wasting people's time? So like things like this the essential acts like gathering items is now instead of having to keep hitting the button over the gathering point, you just hold it in, your character gathers all they can, and then it's over. And you end up gathering a lot more as a result. Like, just fixing simple things like that makes everything else flow a lot smoother because those essential acts are not as tedious as they used to be. And I just feel like everything gets more refined, everything gets simpler. There are still some clumsy menus, some things that aren't very clear that I feel like they will eventually fix. But I've been very happy with the changes they've made. And it is still a series for super hardcore players, don't get me wrong. But anyone can get into this, potentially, if you are willing to commit to it. Like, maybe a six-hour learning curve to really figure everything out, I think, is what really Monster Hunter demands of you.
0: Yeah, and that's good, because uh, Monster Hunter, as you said, has always been a pretty hardcore game. Um, You get into it, like, initially, you just want to run in and hack and slash, and outside of certain weapons, that doesn't really work. And then there's even stuff like, when you go into the items menu, like... There are playing like 500,000 items, yeah. Yeah, playing a Monster Hunter demo, I, I demoed Monster Hunter so many times um, over the years. And it was always kind of the worst in the sense of you'd get into it and you would open this item, like this item pouch, and you'd go, what are all these items for? Because you'd be like, you have to drink this potion to deal with the heat in a particular area. That's
1: a, Yeah, that's exactly why I wrote a uh, beginner's item guide for US Gamer. Uh, it's on the site under the guides column. It's like, here are like the eight, the eight items you'll need, and here's why you'll need them, and here's what situations you'll need them in. Because that is not communicated to you. and That's the most important thing to... Um, the first thing to learn, like, what do I need to bring? What are the essential items I need to bring, period, that will help me? And from there, you can learn how to fight, you can learn how to move. And But really, those, those initial items are some of the most important things you need to learn about.
0: It took quite a while before it felt really good to hit a monster. Like, it was almost like MMO-ish in the past, in the way that you would swing your weapon. Now it feels like there's a bit more impact to it. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, and I will not bring up Dark Souls because there are three people that uh, on the internet that are trying to find out every time I say it and will punish me when I do, but... Too late. I do, you already I do did feel, Yes, I know. I do feel like it's a little more fast-paced. I do feel like it has a similar kind of combat. Of course, uh, Monster Hunter predates Dark Souls, but I feel like they, have, they both have the same methodical and impactful combat where you can really feel the impact of hits and it's very satisfying when you do hit the monster. And, uh... I don't think we've explained the basic premise or why this is even interesting, but it's like, why? Why? Monsters. Exactly, but it's like people could be like, why is it so fun to fight one thing for half an hour? But it's not just you fighting a thing. It's you finding the thing. It's you chasing it when it runs away and you dealing with the monster plus the environment, which which it will also use to its advantage. So there are so many things that go into fighting just one thing. And I feel like only a few games have really taken advantage of that idea, like Shadow of the Colossus. It's still a really fun idea. Um, But Monster Hunter takes it to its logical conclusion by by making it feel like a real struggle. You are fighting a creature for sometimes upwards of an hour. And when you finally land that last hit or capture it, it is one of the most satisfying experiences in gaming. And Capcom really knows how to underline your successes to make them feel even better.
0: Yeah, it really feels like you're fighting this thing that is almost overwhelmingly powerful. And it really highlights how small you feel by comparison Like, just in the way that you're hitting it. The fact that it can knock you over so easily. Like, you have to be really smart in the way that you're avoiding it. You can't just run in and hack and slash. And that's always been one of the more just you know, fighting, you know, David versus Goliath kind of thing. Yeah, and they tried and to capture that with Evolve, and they did to an extent, but Evolve had its own issues.
1: Yeah, also Evolve has three monsters, and Monster Hunter has like forty <laughs> in every game, <laughs> uh, which is yeah. which is much different. But it's all like it's Capcom has never. They, this is like one of their more conservative games in terms of what they will and won't change, because I feel like whoever developed the core idea really knew what they were doing. And the fact that you still don't see a health bar for the monster is still so important because it has that, like, that we, it adds so much tension to the fight and where, you're not seeing a health bar you're not really knowing when the monster will fall you're looking at behaviors you're looking at animations you're looking at how the monster is acting to really know like how far you have to go in this fight and I, and I think that makes you more attentive instead of just looking at at a bar on the screen you're watching the creature and its behaviors and i feel that that really brings you into the game a lot more than it could have if it was just a standard you know video game setup
0: all right last question um here's what i'm kind of wondering is monster hunter declining and i ask this because maybe it's been actually it's been a while since monster hunter generations came out in japan so it might just be that monster hunter hasn't hit so it's not a big thing right now over there but it feels a little bit like smartphones are starting to replace dedicated handhelds to a great extent over in japan especially among younger audiences and if that's the case i wonder how much danger monster hunter might be of kind of falling off over there and if it falls off over there then i mean we're screwed over here because capcom's not going to yeah. They're not nimble enough to pivot over to the US, so I'm wondering what your thoughts are.
1: The thing is, I think Monster Hunter is such an institution and such a, a cultural touchstone, even if it's a recent one, that I feel like there will always be a place for it. Just because it is a game you can never successfully translate to a phone. I, I've heard there are mobile versions, and I'm just like, how? How is this even possible? But I, I think as I mean, long there as are mobile there
0: are... MMO, uh, there are mobile MOBAs, for God's sake. I
1: know. it's like I can't imagine that, but I mean, as long as there are portable systems or systems to play them on, I feel that it will always have a place in the hearts of Japanese gamers. And uh, I feel like the the mass, uh, sorry, the the biggest Monster Hunter Zeitgeist moment was probably or period was like 2008 to 2012, maybe where. You could see Monster Hunter's influence in everything, from Dragon Quest to Metal Gear. Everyone was making their Monster Hunter clone. You don't see that as much anymore, which makes me feel like it's not as important. But the fact that they still make these games uh, every two or three years, and they're still big, and there's still uh, people devoted to playing them, people that have sunk like 300 to 500 hours into every one, um, I feel like the the desire will still be there for as long as there are ways to play these games.
0: All right, so I guess Monster Hunter is still doing fine in Japan because it sold 2.5 million copies by March 2016 over... Oh, sorry. They sold 1.5 million copies in its first two days in Japan. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, that's (laughs) actually crazy good Um, for Japan, where like a few hundred thousand copies is actually a really, really big success.
1: Star Fox sold 18,000 copies in its first week, and you're like, oh, my God.
0: The sale and the game, as of December twenty fourth, had sold over three million copies.
1: Yeah, and speaking of fan service, uh, they've really learned how to do a great job at fan service. Uh, they're doing a lot of Nintendo crossover stuff now, and I, they probably have always been doing crossovers, just with the Japan only stuff. But um, now uh, you can dress up your little kitty friends as like Link from The Wind Waker, as Fire Emblem characters. Didn't in they the last have an game.
0: Amaterasu? Uh... Uh, crossover I think yes the thing yeah yes and that's actually also, pretty rad
1: yeah so like i dressed up my little kitties as mario and luigi the last time i played monster hunter for you so there's i mean this game is just so much fun it's whimsical and it, it, it's dipping into nintendo and capcom fan service too which is always nice so i just feel like if you haven't tried it i if you have the time to learn a, a monster hunter game i would consider trying it because you might you might like it a lot i can't guarantee it but you might like it a lot
0: I know that Monster Hunter 4U certainly looked really great on the Nintendo 3DS. I think that was another thing as well. Like, it was just above and beyond in the graphical department because it gets the budget. Um, So, I I imagine Monster Hunter Generations must look just as good or better.
1: Yeah, it's possibly the best looking the best looking 3DS game I've played outside of like Bravely Default. Um, They really know how to make these games look good and run extremely well when there are four characters and a giant monster on the screen. I rarely see any hitches in um, the graphics at all.
0: All right. Well, final thoughts on Monster Hunter Generations. Aside from buy it, or should you, or should we just say buy it? Just, just buy
1: it, and, and tell me if you're if you're liking it. Tell me. I could I could possibly play with you if, if you're online, and uh, just hit me up on Twitter. Maybe we can figure something out. I do want to find people to play with. I didn't get a lot of more play in for you after my review, so this time I do want to play a lot more of it with people online, preferably people I know. So if you're playing it, please let me know. We maybe we can find a way to play together.
0: Well, maybe I'll pick up a copy and bring it to Scotland and try to level up my character a bit and then yeah. come back and we can go on hunts together, um, especially since it's kind of dead right now for new game releases. So it's kind of the perfect time to pick up a copy of Monster Hunter and kind of dive into it um, ahead of the fall season.
1: Yeah, you have two months before big RPGs start hitting again, so uh, <laughs> take advantage of it.
0: <laughs> oh no, what are we going to talk about? Oh we boy. We're talk about more Monster Hunter.
1: I guess. I, guess <laughs> I need so. to get more people on, on US Gamer to play it. See, this is one of those things that I know Jeremy would love, but I'll have to, like, strap him down to something and, like, force his fingers onto the buttons for him to play it.
0: <laughs> you think he'd love it? I I'm think he sure. would.
1: I think mm. he really would. I, there, I think he would love Dark Souls, too. But, again, we, ne- we need to find a way to make Jeremy play things that he would love.
0: Yeah, that's kind of tricky sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, Jeremy. Please don't kill me.
1: I'm not throwing him under the bus. He's trying to run, he's trying to run our website, but... uh. Luckily,
0: he doesn't listen to podcasts, so I oh think we Oh, God, I said Dark Souls again. No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too late.
1: Damn that Bob Mackie. He's so handsome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. right, uh, Axe of Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else RPGs are sold. Uh, please review and rate us. We would really appreciate it. Subscribe. Tell all your friends um the blood god will be pleased uh, you can find me on twitter at the underscore catbot and you can find bob on twitter at Bob um bob you have anything to promote right now
1: uh sure you can always read my stuff on the site of course i also write uh, comedy articles for somethingawful.com and i have the other podcast i do uh, alongside retronauts of course the classic gaming podcast every monday on usgamer.net and Retronauts.com, and I also do the chronological Simpsons podcast, Talking Simpsons, on LasertimePodcast.com. Every episode, we do another episode of The Simpsons in order, and we are at the end of season three, and things are only getting better, and I'm having so much fun with it.
0: Yeah, We'd- Retronauts recently got uh, recognized by the AV Club uh, That's for your true, Earthbound
1: yeah. episode, so
0: congratulations on that.
1: And Stuff Magazine named us one of the top podcasts of 2016 alongside of uh, honest-to-God famous people, so I'm incredibly flattered.
0: Wow! Congratulations, Retronauts! Yeah,
1: still doing I'm, really well after I'm all these I'm coming for you, Mark Marion. You better watch out.
0: I mean, I really can't wait for the episode of Retronauts where they finally do a Retronauts on Retronauts because it's now ten years old, and we've... we're doing
1: we're actually doing that in October. So uh, yes. if you're if you're in Portland, you can come watch it.
0: I can't wait. It's going to be really great. But uh, we'll see. Anything else to promote? You should go read my inside uh, Inside California Secret Arcades article, which I wrote a couple weeks ago. And you should go read all of my coverage from Japan. Um, I wrote quite a few articles. You can find links to all of the articles in my wrap-up, which is on the site. And in the meantime, um, I'm not going to be here next week um, because I will be traveling. But fear not, the Blood God RPG podcast (laughs) will be coming to you courtesy of Bob and Nadia.
1: I'm going to preemptively crowdsource. If there's anything you want to hear me talk about in this dead summer of no RPGs, uh, please let me know and I'll try to build a show around it. I can always oh, yeah. do retro stuff, and I can do you know previews of upcoming stuff. But uh, maybe I'll do like a like a crowd pleasing episode next time. People things that people want to hear about, like a request.
0: Let's see, Final Fantasy VI, Chrono uh-huh. Trigger. Um, that's not hard, is it?
1: No, it's easy.
0: Final Fantasy, I got to tell you, guaranteed catnip on this podcast. Like oh, yeah. I think I get at least a thousand more downloads than I normally do um, whenever I post um, a Final Fantasy episode. I could just say Final Fantasy 10 times and maybe, like, somebody will, maybe the, the views will just go up. Views, <laughs> um, downloads will just go up really high. But in any case, uh, so yeah, I look forward to that next week and I will be back the week after for more RPG podcast goodness. In the meantime, check us out on US Gamer. Go to all of our social media sites and download our other podcasts from us to you for Bob Mackie. I've been Cat Bailey. Thanks for listening as always and until next time. Happy adventuring.